Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Lessons Learned. On this episode, we chatted with Dr. Allison Mulcahy. And when I say we, I mean myself and my wife, Kira. It was really fun to have her there as well, diving into integrative medicine and what it entails. Dr. Allison is amazing. You guys are going to see this and hear this on the podcast. She has such a great energy to her. She is just a good person, and she's really fun to talk to. She is a double board certified physician and provides integrative care in their Victor, Idaho office, but also to patients in all 50 states. She addresses both acute and chronic symptoms and their underlying causes. They provide patient-specific care for chronic pain, injuries, gastrointestinal issues, diabetes, hormonal problems, treatment-resistant depression, and many other acute and chronic health issues. One thing that I really appreciate about her is how deep she will dive into your history. So many times I've gone to a doctor, it's a five-minute, ten-minute patient intake form. They get there, they're like, what's going on? Here's a pill, see you later. It's nothing against those doctors, but when you get someone like Dr. Allison who really looks into your past and you fill out three hours worth of paperwork, she can really know and understand you and know how to fix the root cause of your issues. And that with that root cause, um, it's just, it's really amazing. I think you guys will all really enjoy hearing her talk about, um, about really like why we get sick and that she is so interested in finding that, you know, the deep meaning behind why we are the way we are. And um, she has so much education. She started out as an ER doctor and, um, and noticed that, you know, there's there's so much more to healing than what we, you know, we have in this Western culture. So um, we definitely dive deep in this episode. So um, hope you all enjoy. But now we're recording. <laughs> so, uh, we really appreciate your time. Um, excited to be here. I know we've talked about this for maybe a month and a half now. Yeah, so excited that you all are here and so excited to finally chat. Yeah. Um, really fast. I just want to kind of share how we even came to be here right now. I was listening to a podcast with Emily Fletcher and you and, and everything you were saying, I was like, oh my gosh, this lady is incredible. Like she has so much education and so much knowledge and, and she has all of these, um, like just very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like very, <laughs> like right now you're learning things and implementing them immediately. Um, and so I was anyway, pretty enthralled. And then I looked you up on Instagram and I was like, what? She's in Victor, Idaho, <laughs> like, like less than an hour away from us. So from that moment, I was like, okay, we have to meet her. Like it was pretty quick. Tyler called, we set up an appointment and, um, Anyway, so I feel like we were supposed to meet you. Like, I, yeah, so I'm very, very excited 100%. for this. 100%. <laughs> yeah, um, we can kind of just cover a lot. Um, one, Kira and I were talking on the way up here. We just want to know your story. We just want to know more about you. Yeah, lovely. And first first of all, I just want to say it's it's always so exciting to have people local that are interested in this because Idaho is not the most progressive state. We're not in the most progressive area. So to have local people coming in, understanding this approach is just like, it makes me so happy. We get people that come in from all over the place Mm -hmm. and I just love spreading this locally. So there's so much magic in this Valley and so many magical healers. And I'm so grateful that you all found your way here. And it's been, it's been such a joy. 
My story is I, I started out, I, we were talking about this just a few minutes ago. I started out in a, you know, Catholic family growing up in New England, pretty straight laced, uh, you know, believing in, in fire and brimstone, believing that like I have to do the right thing. And, and I, I actually had a period of time where I was like, I think I might become a nun to avoid this, like, you know, hell thing, this fire and yeah. brimstone. Um, I went from there, went to college and, uh, went to Cornell, which is a pretty liberal school that kind of opened my eyes. And, and then after that, I moved out here and I became a ski bum for a few years and then found my way back to medicine. Um, initially with medicine, I, I applied to both traditional med school and, uh, naturopathic med school. So I've always had this idea of like, oh, maybe there's another way of doing things besides a traditional way. But I ultimately ended up taking the traditional pathway, was an ER doctor working all over the world in big trauma centers and, and small um, relief efforts after disasters, et cetera, et cetera, volunteering kind of all over the place. I thought I had the best job in the world. I loved it. I thought I would do it forever. And then probably about mm, seven years ago or so, the universe uh, kind of informed me that there there are other plans for me, and I I started having various things um, happen that led me to where we are now. And I started retooling, learning uh, that there are lots of different ways of approaching things from the conventional standpoint. The conventional standpoint is more treating symptoms yeah. uh, rather than the root cause. So my path has led me here, where now I really truly believe that like. There's nothing that we can't reverse and that like including aging. And it's it, like I say this many, many days talking to patients that like if someone was recording me now and showing me to my old self 10 years ago, I would be like, who kidnapped me? Like yeah. it doesn't it, it wouldn't even um, like I never had those ideas. And, and, and the more that I do this, the more. Uh, my my approach expands and really the more we're able to help bring people back into balance and we're not we're not doing the healing at all like people are doing the healing themselves we're just helping helping their bodies to have what they need and helping their bodies to take away what they don't need yeah um so you were an er doctor for years and so you definitely saw the western side of things and uh, like I was a paramedic for years so obviously very big educational difference there but I know acute medicine works for you know trauma and, and acute things but at what point did you go from kind of because you, you had applied to naturopathic and to conventional then you're in conventional you go oh, okay we need to shift like what, what tipped that off yeah, honestly, it was my own journey with my own body. So this was probably in 2014 or 2015. I, my, I've, I've hammered my body much, much like you all my whole life. You know, I think most people that live in this area spend a lot of time in the mountains, going out, uh, just hammering our bodies. And my knee was really acting up. And I went to an orthopedic surgeon here and he said, hey, if you don't, if you don't stop running, if you don't stop this weight bearing stuff, you're going to need a knee replacement by the time you're 50. And I didn't really like that idea. Yeah. That didn't seem good. And at the time, I don't know, I was probably 40, I guess, give or take. And so I started looking into other options. I reached out to one of my friends who's an orthopedic surgeon. I said, Hey, what do you think? And he advised me to see another friend who was doing regenerative injections. She lives in Tahoe. I went to med school in Reno, which is close to Tahoe. 
And I went and saw her and she did an ultrasound guided injection in me. And that kind of opened up this portal where I realized like, whoa, like we can, we can impact these injuries in a way to help our body heal instead of like just replacing things or putting steroids in to stop the inflammation. So that was kind of like the seed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. I, I love that. And I love that you talk about helping our body heal that our body has everything that it needs to heal, but we don't have the tools or we don't know. Um, I remember in another podcast, you mentioned gladiators. Um, do you want to share a little bit about how they healed, you know, what they did? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I use this example a lot. Well, I'll get to the gladiators, but like if you cut yourself, you don't do anything, it's going to heal unless it's a really deep cut. You're not, you don't sit there and tell your body like, hey, will you put will you put the cells back together? Will you make the skin back together? Like it just does it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then it's interesting that we, for some reason, think that we need to intervene with other things. Like our body has this really, um, like profound intelligence that I think is like our body is way more intelligent than our mind in many ways. And we just don't, we don't use that. Uh, but with the gladiators, regenerative medicine has been around for a really, really long time with the gladiators, when they would have injuries, say like a rotator cuff injury, what they would do if it was, if it became a chronic injury is they'd take hot pokers, like really like hot metal and re-injure the area, which would then stimulate the body to heal itself. So that's kind of like old school regenerative medicine, not, not really comfortable. What we do now is, is uh, way more refined and doesn't hurt as much, but the idea is really just like telling the body like, Hey, you got to get back here and heal this area. It's not, your job's not done yet. So that's physically healing. Um, what about, um, emotional or even deeper than emotional, like something is wrong and you can't sleep at night or, you know, um, Tyler has been <laughs> probably one of the worst cases of, I can't sleep and I don't know why. And this is frustrating and I'm angry and not like he's angry all the time. So mad. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if you're laying there for hours and hours and can't sleep, like that's so frustrating. How do you even go about starting to listen to your body? Like figuring out what it's trying to tell you, if that's the case of why you can't sleep. Yeah. So I look at everything as very layered and multifactorial. So if someone can't sleep, that could be from so many different reasons. And, and so like when we, when we have someone coming in with any particular complaint, like we we're pretty reductionist, I would say in the way that we look at medicine in this country, meaning like, it's like you have trouble sleeping. So you go to a doctor that's a sleep doctor but maybe really the problem lies in your gut or the problem lies in repressed trauma or, or you know, whatever else. So, so we, we, we kind of look at things much more broadly. And, you know, with that, we ask people to fill out two to three hours worth of questionnaires, which is pretty laborious, but that allows us to identify all the pieces that are contributing to people's bodies being out of balance with sleep in particular. That's such a common, uh, complaint. And it's really like dear, near and dear to my heart. Cause I did shift work for years. So much like you, Tyler, I did a really good job of scrambling my nervous system. Like our bodies want to be in rhythm. Like I, I always zoom back, zoom out to like, if we can live as close to po as possible to how our ancestors lived, we're going to be way healthier. So you imagine our ancestors like woke up with the sun, went to sleep when it got dark, you know, we're grounded in the earth. What we're doing now 
if you imagine like the length of a football field as how long humans have been around, the wacky environment that we're living in now, like under all these blue lights, all these EMF gadgets that, that we're using to record things like podcasts, yeah. eating pesticides, we, you know, we can go on and on. That's like just like the final meter of the football field. So we just haven't had time to evolve. And if, they, if these changes happened over 2,000 years, we would evolve. Like we're pretty, humans are so resilient and, and like biologically, like species in general can just evolve to survive, but it's happened too fast. So, so we have these symptoms like insomnia and, and I think like we're also at this real shift in human consciousness where, yeah. um, like where people that are coming to us and <clears throat> people that I'm working with, and I put myself in this category as well, we're healing generations, like thousands of years of trauma. And like, what an amazing privilege that we can do this now. And also what a heavy lift. So, yeah. you know, so like your body, like you're here, you're showing up, you're healing trauma from like your great, 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 great grandmother and grandfather. Like we know up to 12 generations. I suspect it's way more than that even. And then, you know, if we believe in um, other lifetimes as well and reincarnation and all that, like that's in you as well. So you are here in 2023 to heal all that. So why aren't you sleeping? There's like, there's messages coming through and you are feeling generations of trauma. And we know like working in the ER, working in EMS, we see horrendous things and you have to just like stuff it under the carpet, right? Yeah. Like someone, you witness something that no one should have to see. And instead of, you know, stopping and like grieving, what do we do? We move on to yeah. the next person. Go on the and, next call. Yeah. And so where does that end up? It ends up getting stuffed in your nervous system. And so then <clears throat> you get out of it and you're running a CrossFit gym and you're doing a podcast and that's still in your nervous system and that keeps you up at night. And so like by doing some of these treatments, by talking to your body, et cetera, you can release that. And then I also believe though, that we show up in this lifetime, like to, to evolve as a spirit or as a soul. So you as a soul picked this, this iteration. So you picked that you're gonna, you're going to, you know, work in EMS, work as a paramedic, have these, these experiences. So then you can, you can ultimately wake up and heal thousands of years of trauma. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why you can't sleep. I've got this. <laughs> You've but got like, this. It's so interesting because you say that and it sounds a little bit like, it, it sounds not, not, I don't know how, it doesn't. She's like, saying it sounds hokey. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it like, does sound hokey. Again, <laughs> if you showed me me like 10 years ago, I'd be like, who, who abducted me? <laughs> but what's crazy is, yeah, it can sound hokey, but it also like, as you're saying it deep inside of me, I'm like, ah, uh, yeah like that makes sense and and how like our lives you can look back at our lives and him getting into EOS, EOS. Uh, ems <laughs> um him becoming a paramedic it wasn't an accident like we can draw it back to one day where we saw two car accidents in this in the same day and we were the first person there on both of them it was like a big like punch like hey you need to do something you need to wow. change your life it was so obvious that the next day he was like oh i need to go into emergency. it was pretty crazy yeah I was driving kira to work uh we had been married for maybe eight months and um we're driving behind a semi <clears throat> and we see this car that's coming towards us and the semi turn in front of it and the semi hits into the car or no no i'm sorry the semi turned and the car hit into it 
the girl wasn't in her seatbelt and she goes and hits the windshield and you know i'm thinking back to like boy scouts you know oh, i got yeah. old pressure and this my uncle showed up my uncle and aunt were first responders there and he's like why weren't you wearing gloves like you got blood all over your hands and you know, i don't know <laughs> yeah um, then that night we were working at a rock wall that we had started and um we're driving home it's like midnight snow on the ground uh we see this car just kind of drift off the road we're like that's weird it was on a double highway so we get to the first turnaround that we can and there's glass all over the road and there's a dead moose and so we drive up this guy had hit a moose it just laid him back in his car and he's just dead uh. but i didn't really know i was like i think he might be breathing i you know i had no idea what was going on um then ems showed up and my junior high science teacher hops out of the ambulance <laughs> and starts working on this guy and starting doing cpr and i'm like why they're why are they doing cpr on this guy you know i didn't i didn't realize he was dead and um i called him like the next week and then had called another couple people. I mean, literally that's why I did what I did. And it just happened just one but day. Even leading into that, like after going through the whole EO EMS process and becoming a paramedic, it messed with your sleep yeah. shift work. You became, you know, you, you weren't, weren't able to sleep anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think that there's definitely wisdom and struggle, but to find that is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like most people have, you know, like we live in a society where we don't want to feel ultimately yeah. like we're doing everything we can all the time to avoid feeling. Um, and, and what is, how does it come out? It comes out in like pain. It comes out in insomnia. It comes out in, you know, cancer, heart attacks, strokes, et cetera, et cetera. And you have seen so many things and it's like, I believe at this point, and again, it's an evolution as, as I continue to like work with people on a deeper level that like your spirit is here to heal a lot of stuff and not just what you experienced with EMS. It's like that, that was just, that was sort of the catalyst to allow you to heal way deeper things. And I oftentimes share a book with people and it's, it's by an author named Lee Sporbo. It's basically, and I shared it with you all, it's basically an encyclopedia of various physical symptoms, you know, classic diseases, things like insomnia, things like, you know, shoulder pain, neck pain, et cetera. And, and you can look at like, what is the me mental, physical, emotional, spiritual block associated with that? And the more I do this, the more I realize like, wow, that, I think that that uh, contributes as much as anything. Like we talk about the 3D and the 5D. The 3D is kind of our physical reality. 4D and 5D is more energetic. And in what's happening energetically, um, that that impacts things as much, if not more, than what's happening on the physical reality. And and even conventional medicine knows this. We there's studies that show that cancer patients who believe they're going to do better do better. Yeah. So that's all. That's all like the power of the mind and like energy and motion and how we're creating our reality, but we're just still, you know, in 2023, I would say there, we're still not integrating all this. So there's like healers that are shamanic healers and energy healers and, um, you know, lots of Ayurvedic Chinese medicine practitioners that are working more on that realm. And then there's lots of conventional doctors that are working on the 3d realm. And it, it just seems like when, like for something like insomnia, like why would we not 
combine everything. And then yeah. also like talk to your body. I think that's where this question started. So, so I always invite people to like ask their body for answers. Like your body has the answer way more than my mind. And, and like, if you're, if you kind of are not nurturing a relationship for a really long time, like if you have a friend that they've been emailing you, they've been calling you and you ignore them for a long time. And then you want to start having a relationship with them again, they might be like, Hey, like you, like you've ignored me. So it's kind of the same with our bodies. If you haven't been listening to your body, which most of us don't, yeah. we have pain, we have insomnia. What do we do? We take medicines to make us yeah. sleep. We, we just suppress the symptoms. So, so starting a conversation with your body after a while, and usually I think it's like 20 times, then your body can start to give you answers. And that does sound super woo woo. I acknowledge that. And it works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're fine with woo woo and we're <laughs> fine with a uh, placebo effect if, yeah. it, if it's working. Yeah. Uh, which is something that we just appreciated about you in the beginning is it's very conventional. There are conventional things that are used as tools, but then there's also all the other, you know, Eastern stuff, Chinese, uh, and this kind of spiritual metaphysical it's just cool because it does make sense that it should all work together. Not that one's better than the other. And I mean, obviously Ambien didn't help me. Like I take it and it makes me fall asleep. It's the only thing that actually makes me fall asleep, but I, I don't get good rest. So and then it might be masking something else that needs to come out. Yeah. It's just going to, it's going to extend your suffering. Yeah. I don't, well, no, <laughs> is that too much? No, it's true. It's weird. Uh, like if there's a heaven and a hell, hell just means that the devil keeps you awake. Oh yeah, totally. So. Like it's like heaven is on earth yeah. and hell is on earth. I mean, yeah. that's, a, mm -hmm. that's like the interesting thing, right? We, we can all the time, we can look at anything as a miracle or, you know, as something to be afraid of. And, and I think like the more we, all of us are alive right now because our nervous systems, our ancestors are really good at like outrunning bears and saber toothed tigers, et cetera. So we are, we are really good at looking for the threats. We're not so good at looking for the miracles. And I think that's a way that you can really shift your nervous system is just in any given moment, like how, like what a miracle it is that we're sitting here right now, having this conversation in this building, in this beautiful place where, you know, like we, we have like clean water, we have food like all like it's like every there's so many miracles all the time and instead we look for like the one or two things that are not miracles yeah. and we focus on that mm. and yeah. it causes suffering yeah I, I agree I like that a lot on the way up Kira was talking about a course that she just purchased uh about the vagus nerve and mm. she wanted to chat about that I, yeah I was just curious on so it's just like a seven-day course that gives you different um exercises to do to calm your vagus nerve um and so he's coming in to do this stellate ganglion block that numbs the vagus nerve that helps with um your fight or flight um so i'm curious i, I literally like just bought it this morning yes <laughs> this amazing cool. um but in your experience what are some things you can do at home to help calm the fight or flight when you're in it and you're feeling angry and you're confused and you're mad or you're just like this sucks like how what are some things you can do to to take your body out of that fight or flight yeah such a good question and and before talking about that i just want to clarify because i think there's a lot of confusion around what's happening with the stellate ganglion block yeah. i get this a lot so the stellate ganglion is actually the sympathetic group of nerves 
and the vagus is parasympathetic. Mm-hmm. So when we do a stellate ganglion block, we're, we're blocking the stellate ganglion, but then we also put it in a place that also blocks um, the vagus nerve as well, part of it. Um, and the idea with that is it's a reboot. So it just, you know, it's like if your computer, if you have too many apps open, you get that spinning wheel of death, what's the move? You reboot the computer and then it just opens up the apps that you need. So that's kind of what the block is doing. It's just helping to bring them back into balance or other treatments that can help to open the vagus nerve more, which you've gotten Tyler like hydrodissecting yeah. at areas where the, the vagus nerve actually gets pinched. So, so I just wanted to clarify that because a lot of times I think people think, um, don't, don't understand like what we're actually doing when we do yeah. this uh, procedure. Things that you can do at home. I like easy things. So any, I think like anything that's complicated, people won't do. Anything that's going to take a long time, most people won't do. I mean, you two are both very like disciplined and regimented and like make time for it, which is amazing. And most people don't do that. And so like things, simple things like just having your exhale be twice as long as your inhale, that brings you into parasympathetic. So and you can do that whenever. Like right now, we could just like we're talking, and and I was just at sea level, so I'm huffing and puffing here, <laughs> um, and I just got over a little cold. But like if you if we just like slow our breath down and and extend our exhale, that was going to move us into parasympathetic more. Other things, just like gratitudes, like super simple things. So in a moment when you're feeling worked up, just think of three things that you're grateful for, and it's you know, I think probably for all of us, that's super easy. We can look around and see all the things that we're grateful for. And it's, it's really a muscle that a lot of people have not built at all. So there are lots of people that I talk with and I'm like, tell me, you know, they're, they seem really stressed. And I say, tell me three things you're grateful for. And they can't Yeah. like, they're just stuck. Um, so those are two really simple things that I like. And then, and then, you know, of course, things like mindfulness, meditation, yoga, like lots, there's so many different practices, like even just like breathing out through a straw, um, like so many different practices, lots of books on this that are amazing. And what, what I, with these, with these procedures that we do, it's sort of like you could, you know, you could do all these techniques that you're going to learn, which are amazing. And for you to get to the place where it balances the nervous system, like these blocks do, it'll take a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So kind of our approach is like, how can we combine all these amazing techniques that have been around forever with these modern sort of cutting edge procedures so that we can like jumpstart you. So instead of taking like five years to get your vagus nerve to a certain place, we get it there right away. And then you use all these techniques to keep it there. Yeah. I remember what got me like super psyched about the stellate ganglion block is you had said it's equivalent to about 10,000 hours of meditation. I'm like, what? I've been doing meditation now for, you know, six months and I feel like it's changed my life, but what? <laughs> like yeah. 10,000 hours. Like that's, it's, um, it's, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And I, you know, like I, I'm a healthy skeptic for sure with everything. Like my background is, you know, as chemical engineer before, medical doctor. And so when I first heard all this, I was like, I don't, I don't know about this, but like I have lots of patients that have aura rings, whoops, garments that are checking their HRVs, checking all these, um, using all sorts of biofeedback devices and like for sure data wise it's helping. And then of course questionnaires and subjective as well. So 
um, it is it is pretty amazing how like it and it really is a five minute procedure like people as you know like once we put the needle in it's like probably even less than five minutes so mm-hmm. people are like how do I not know about this and and I think uh, it just it ha- like a lot of this stuff just kind of hasn't reached collective consciousness yet and and I think there's an element of like realistically like and I hate to say this but like people make a lot of money off of sick people so like yeah. the food industry. And, you know, is, is obviously like making people sick and then big pharma makes a lot of money off of people being sick. So, and I don't think it's like nefarious. I don't think pharma companies are like, Hey, we want people to be sick. But the reality is, is that that's what guides people. That's what guides our like, uh, decisions in our society. Yeah. And I think it's a systemic problem. For example, probably 99.9% of people are good. You know, they want the best, but then the system maybe doesn't so totally you know big pharma yeah they're making billions and billions off of say chemotherapy when there might be a better way but the doctor's a good person he yeah, just doesn't yeah. know because it's a systemic issue yeah and i would argue that like a hundred percent of people are good like yeah. like mm-hmm. you know at working in the er for years you know people would do terrible things and at some point i shifted to like not what did you do but like you know, like what happened? Like, what was your life like? Like people don't just become, um, you know, killers or whatever. I worked in a hospital that had where one of the highest security prisons in the country, we got those, uh, those inmates in and, and it was super interesting having conversations with, with a lot of these people, like, like their lives were insane. Yeah. Like, you know, if anyone got put into that, how, how would you end up otherwise and our and our society doesn't support people like that Mm -hmm. yeah um i have a question about self-worth so what if you are struggling and you don't feel like you deserve to heal how do you how do you overcome that i mean i've seen that a few times with different people where you know there's a solution like right here i can see it clear as day like you know but then they're just, they want to do it the hard way and it's going to take them a long time, but they just don't think they deserve mm. to be happy or to heal. Yeah. Such a good question. Um, okay. So what's coming through with this is, have you all heard of Martha Beck and the way of integrity? No. <clears throat> good, good work to check out. But basically like the more that we as individuals, as like families as societies can move towards like always a hundred percent of the time telling the truth. Um, we are going to, we're going to heal. And this is what, where self-worth comes in is if what happens when we live our truth is things shift, right? Cause, because we, we, we act in a way where we think we have to behave for other people to like us. And so sometimes we become, we stray really far from what our real truth is. So if someone is, is feeling like, if someone has been sick for a really long time, like that's kind of who they've become and their whole structure of how they're interacting with other people is based on that. So if they were to heal, how does that, how, like, how do all, all those other relationships change? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so what happens is in order for people to heal, uh, they have to be willing to like give up, like that they have to acknowledge that like a lot of things are going to shift in their life. And maybe, maybe we have a lot of relationships where it's like, there's a caregiver and then there's like the person that needs to be cared for. 
And that's how the people come together. And if that person heals, then the caregiver doesn't have that role anymore. And we get people sometimes coming in for treatments and, and they wonder, they say, Hey, like if, if this, is this person going to change? Like, are they still going to want to be with me? I've had this question many times. Is this poor person going to divorce me if they heal? Um, and, and so I think like there's the self-worth of like, do I deserve to heal? And then I think there's the deeper layer of like, who will I be if I'm healed? Like, and, and I think there's like, there's a quote by, um, Marianne Williamson. I don't, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but it's basically like, we're not, we're not afraid of our darkness. We're afraid of our light. Yeah. Like we are, we all, all of us are like these huge, expansive, beautiful beings. And, and we come out that way. And then society, like in our, and what happens just like, suppresses that and so then we get into this place where we don't even know what it would be like to be fully realized and healed and and all of that and so I think that those are the questions that I ask those people it's kind of inquiries of like who would you be uh if you were healed and like are you willing to like let go of like all these structures that have supported you being sick Wow. I feel like I just need to like sit and think on that for a minute. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you worded that so eloquently and um, it's a, it's, it feels a little bit intimidating. Like how would, you know, you give up, yeah, any structure that you've built around <coughs> you. Um, hmm. Do you have any examples of, and this probably is not, it might not be, it might be too specific, but like of how, how, how would you go about giving up some of the things? Um, I've had this interesting um, thought with our family that just popped in, like, because we, we live a very busy life. And, and our, our son, Luke, he, he's been having some interesting emotion things where he, he'll, he'll say, like, well, I don't deserve to be happy. Or I don't do, and it makes me mm. so sad. I'm like, I, yes, you do. Like, what? But it, he doesn't, I don't know, anything I say, it doesn't, like, quite kick into him but I got this thought of like we, we should just move to like a South American country for a little while immerse ourselves in a slower culture learn a language like just um I don't know that popped in my head a few months ago and we've kind of been working towards that but have you seen anybody do anything like that before that changes or helps yeah well I mean interesting so Martha Beck her story is she she's from Utah like super like LDS family generational went to Harvard and then all of a sudden had this like real discordance between like super progressive, she got her PhD at Harvard, super progressive thinking of Harvard. And then like her family was very much like, like her dad I think was very high up in the LDS church down in Salt Lake. And, and she realized, she, she got super sick. So that's, that's why this story is super compelling. She got super sick and, ulti- and she went to a million doctors and ultimately how she healed herself was, was by being in integrity and like speaking her truth. And you don't have to, there's no, like, you actually don't have to change. Like you don't, if you start speaking your truth, like she made a um, commitment at some point, I think in her twenties that she was not going to tell any lie for an entire year, even a white lie, right? Like we tell little lies all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we say like, Oh wow. Like I love your dress that you're wearing because we want to make people feel good. But really maybe we're like, Oh, I don't like, I don't like that dress at all. And so we, like little lies, big lies. And she talks about the different types of lies, but by just telling the truth a hundred percent of the time, she didn't, she wasn't changing her life. People were dropping off and, and like, it just, it just changed. Right. So, Mm. um, 
I mean, I think people do move environments like what you're talking about with with your son and and i'm so sorry that's like so sad to see like a kid yeah yeah, like 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 it's just like heartbreaking that society does that but like you could move to another place but it's like it's everywhere yeah Yeah. you know so i so i don't know i mean it's like wherever we go there we are yeah Yeah. well even as oh go ahead oh um the perspective so we've gone to Haiti a couple times on a medical mi- on medical missions, mm-hmm. and it's just so interesting because in a, in the United States, like we have everything, right? We have the, like you were saying earlier, we're in this beautiful building and we're on these nice leather couches and we can eat food and go to movies and everything. You go down there and they literally wake up in the morning. They're like, "Hey, do we have food today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have food today. Oh, we're good. Yeah, and they're so happy. Yeah, it's so interesting to see it. Like obviously items don't equal happiness no Uh, so that's kind of where we were thinking with just moving for three months yeah and see if that would help out a little bit us to have a little bit of perspective or even a just a shift of priorities you know when where we run multiple businesses oftentimes those become the priorities and our kids are old enough now that they're 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 good being home for a little while alone or you know maybe they spend a little bit too much time on electronics or you know um and so yeah, shifting to make them more of the priority. They're always a priority, but you know, it's just life is, life's crazy and we're doing lots of stuff. (laughs) So yeah. um, Yeah. And our society here, I think is, is pretty out of balance. Like you look at other countries where it's like, you know, people work for six hours, family is priority. Like we don't, we don't have like, we have all these resources in this country and people are not happy. Healthcare, health outcomes are not good. I think we were, what makes people happy is feeling connected, feeling supported. You know, other countries that pay more taxes, there's like a safety net. We don't have that here. This like individualistic um, approach, I think can be super helpful for innovation. And it's like, it causes a systemic stress. Like it's, everyone that's coming in to see me now, particularly downstream of the, the pandemic, like everyone is just so stressed and, yeah. and, and everyone feels like they need to like fight for survival. Really. It's coming mm-hmm. it like, you know, when we think about like chakras and, and how energy is flowing, like our first chakra, like our root chakra is all about survival and everyone is just so lit up on survival right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't allow people to like, to expand creatively and expand performance wise, et cetera. And it's affecting so many kids too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even as a society, I think with our kids, we we might even encourage them to say some white lies just to be polite, you know. And I totally that like totally popped in my head when you were saying to just like speak truth all the time. And I like I can't get that out of my head. Like that's really hit me. Like okay, um, that's a difficult thing to do. It's yeah. not as easy as it sounds, um, especially if you are very want to keep the peace all the time and you don't want any confrontation and you just want everyone to be happy all the time. Like that's totally, totally. And that's, I mean, you know, she, she can, she, Martha speaks about this more than, than I do, of course. And, and I think it's like, like she argues that like if everyone, like that we have people like we have people right now that are kind of the seeds that are like choosing to completely live in integrity. And they're like, when you're living in complete integrity, like you become like the, a bigger light, you be, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're, you're your true self, like you're not putting on masks and then that has a ripple effect. So she, you know, we're at this real interesting junction right now with the planet where 
the planet's definitely going to survive, but humans, like, we're really doing a good job of um, making it potentially dis- difficult for us for sure. to survive. And so well, if I think I think a lot of people are doing work about, hey, what can we do to, like, raise the vibration of humanity ASAP so that we don't destroy ourselves? And and I think one easy way, like, I like what's easy. What's easy? I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not easy yeah. to, to not say the white lies, but really... Like, yeah, it's simple. It doesn't require buying things or going anywhere. It just requires in each moment, like telling the truth. And if you're not telling the truth, like, like if you say something and you're like, oh, that wasn't the truth. Like, like yesterday I said something and I was like, why did I just say that? I'm just like, just a little white lie. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I backed it up and I like recorrected it. And, and that like your sleep, for example, like, like her, when, as soon as she started telling the truth, all of her symptoms went away and her life blew up. Dang so, it, I'm, I'm just a liar. No, just you don't like confrontation, oh, I though. Hate confrontation. It's like yeah. the worst thing in the world for you. Yeah. So you're really good at, you know, wording things in a certain way of like, okay, it's, you know, everything's yeah. good and I'll push a little bit of these things down. I don't need to say that. Yeah. Oh, for know. sure. Yeah. yeah. I took How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I took it to heart. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it works, right? Yeah. But But at the expense of like our bodies and our health. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting, um, it's an inter- interesting way of life to ponder. And I think it probably makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, in defense of Dale Carnegie too, he does talk about always being in integrity. If you're going yeah. to compliment somebody, don't do it just to, just to give a compliment, sincerely mean it. And that's when the changes do start happening is when you're being sincere and true to what you believe and you'll start to attract different people in your life. Yeah. Raise your vibration. Like things, our life has been really interesting this summer. I've, um, was starting to meditate and we've, and starting to say all these big goals at the end of each meditation session twice a day, you know, saying all the big goals of what we want to accomplish all of a sudden, (laughs) like people are walking into our lives and saying, Hey, I can do this for you. Like we, for the first time in our lives, we have a full-time general manager at our rock climbing gym. And now I'm like, whoa, we're not in survival mode. Yes, We're elevating. Big goals are happening. Things are changing. But when that happens, it's requiring you to be a different person. You have to elevate with it. Or I think that, yeah, your body's going to tell you like, oh, you haven't reached you're not where you need to be yet yeah. in order to have these things. Yeah, and there are going to be people that are not going to like your change. Yeah. And that's just sort of accepting that. Like, there are going to be the, the people that are going to say, like, you know, like, I don't, like, you're not, you're not my friend anymore. I don't like how you're being. And, and, and they fall away. Yeah. And it's, there's loss and grief with that, mm-hmm. with the shifting. And then, like, new people come in. It's like, it's like we're, when, when you make these choices, it's like all this magic comes in, like you're talking about. But then there's also like this letting go of an old way, which is hard, mm-hmm. you know? I've been experiencing a lot of that. And just to share kind of a, something that happened the other day is I was like really mad. And I don't get, like in our marriage, I haven't got mad a lot. I usually am pretty a calm, a pretty calm person, but now with meditating, I'll get angry more. And Tyler was like, um, you've been meditating a lot. Shouldn't you be more calm? I'm like, like no, calm, calm down woman. <laughs> That's not what that means. Yeah. But, right. Like, um, you're able to be more in with yourself through meditate. I don't know. Is there anything on with that? Yeah, like, for sure. So I think like women in particular are not allowed to be angry, right? Like, like in general, like angry women are not, 
you know, that, that us women showing that side is not appreciated by really anyone. Like men were like, Oh, like, you know, that's mm-hmm. normal for men to be angry and they pass through. It's normal for women too, as well. Yeah. So, and, and, it, and like, I think it's, it's not like just all, all humans are not in our society are not allowed to feel their emotions. Like men have so much trauma around not being, not being allowed to feel grief, et cetera, et cetera. But with women, since we're talking about that, like if you can't, if you're not feeling that anger, it builds up and it's going to, it comes out in, it could come out all of a sudden explosively. It could come out as like an, an injury or, uh, you know, some sort of disease, like it's going to show up one way or another. And so there's like various practices. I did this course this year where we did practices to actually like help consciously release these emotions. So, so basically like you play a song, it's, we call it swamping. You play a song where it's, it elicits rage and you like punch the pillow and like really feel the rage because like it's a, a lot of women are like, I, I don't want to feel that. Like that's not yeah. safe. When I feel that bad things happen, but you need to feel it. Like in order to feel like ecstasy and joy, we need to also be willing to feel anger, grief, et cetera. And then you play a song that elicits grief and men could certainly do this too. And you like cry and you feel all that. And then you play a song that elicits turn on. So you like alchemize those emotions and it's like such a beauty and it takes like 10 or 12 minutes, such a beautiful thing. And that way you're not like just spewing it out. Like what happens with so many people is people get angry and they project it onto someone else. And then it just causes this like you know, we're all like throwing our stuff on other people. And instead of spreading love we're spreading anger and grief and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Moving into when Tyler first did the intake and, you know, filling out all of those things. Um, let's dive into sex a little tiny bit. Like um, with, y- you had asked some questions that were talking about using, um, like orgasms to manifest. This is a great topic because I love sex. Yeah, who, do, who doesn't <laughs> yeah. love sex? Yeah, but like how? Anyway, I I've been a little bit fascinated by that because we had never like heard that before, and I feel like we've heard a lot of different things, and you know, and so I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, great question. So, um, so I think again we're in this like repressed society that like of course. This, the population keeps growing. People are having sex, yeah. but we like don't talk about it. And as doctors, we barely talk about it. You know, you know, we just maybe ask a question or two, but like, have you ever had a doctor say that you should have an orgasm every day for your health? No, you were definitely the first one that was like, <laughs> Hey, have you ever uh, used an orgasm to manifest things in your life? Like, um, no, Dr. Allison, I I have not, but this is awesome. Yeah. But but tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so this has been used for thousands of years. Like people call it sex magic, pleasure prayer. There's all sorts of terms for it. Like, like Jesus, everyone knows who Jesus is. Mary Magdalene, like they, what they were using, they were spreading energy that they called Ka that was basically like, you know, supercharging his ability to do all the amazing work that he did. But you don't hear about that. Yeah. That sort of got like scrubbed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think unequivocally there's enough evidence that that did happen. And so, you know, it got pushed underground because it's so powerful. Like I think everyone knows that sexual energy is incredibly powerful when people are fully embodied in their, uh, in their full divinity, they can't be controlled. And so, you know, all these institutions around the world, governments, religions, et cetera, like are controlling people. 
um, and th making people think that they're less than they are. And so I, I am greedy in just in terms of like health outcomes. So you could use your sexual energy to manifest whatever you want. I use it myopically specifically on health outcomes. So what I invite people to do is like when they're having orgasms to send out a little prayer, a little desire to the universe. Like, you know, if, if you're like, Hey, I want to sleep better. Like when you're having an orgasm or right after like universe, like I desire to have like deep restorative magical sleep with like, you know, so many dreams and you know, so much REM and deep sleep, whatever it is. Yeah. And you just put that out there and it's like supercharging it. Um, I, like I always look at everything on a 3d and 5d or 4d level. So like when you're having an orgasm, you're releasing all these neurotransmitters that feel good. So, you know, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. So that's just like, like those neurotransmitters going around are going to make you feel a lot better. If, if those are bathing your nervous system, instead of anxiety producing hormones, you're just going to feel better. When you feel better, you're going to be more creative. You're going to sleep better. You're going to perform better. Like you all have done a lot with CrossFit, rock climbing, et cetera. Like all this stuff helps performance as well. Um, and then, and then on like a 5D or 3D or sorry, 4D level, so energetic level, like it just allows you to manifest the reality that you desire. So there's a lot of um, research that's coming out that's sort of uh, proving what people have been saying for thousands of years that like our mind is creating our reality, that this is all just a mental projection and it's, it's kind of trippy to think about it that way, but I'll, I'll tell you when I, I did a multiple day darkness retreat earlier this year. And when I came out, I, I was I, I, like, I started laughing. I was like, this really does. I think this really is just a mental projection. Like, yeah. like it's not, we're, we're making this all up. And so in a, like, in a, it's kind of amazing if, yeah. if once you realize that, and once you realize that like your thought, like if most of our thoughts are sort of running in the background, like your thoughts might be like, I'm never going to sleep well. I'm never going to sleep well. And I, I invite people to put in an order with the cosmic server to like intentionally plant whatever intent, whatever desires you, you want instead of just like what's running in the background. And most of us have what's, we, we have a default mode network, which is part of our brain, which is like what's running in the background when we're not consciously doing things. And for most of us, it's not running good things. It's not saying the world is a miracle. Yeah. It's saying danger, warning, et cetera. Um, so I think like sexual energy is a way to just like supercharge our like desires and exactly how we want our life to look. And specifically with health outcomes, it's it's amazing. And I we're starting to collect data on it and other people are starting to collect data on it. And I, I think it, it's like absurd that it's not you know, more integrated into all forms of medicine. Ayurvedic medicine says that you should, you know, have sex every day. Yeah. So it's an Ayurvedic medicine is the oldest form of medicine, 5,000 years old. Yeah. I, now I love Ayurvedic medicine. <laughs> you have to have sex every day. Yeah. Um, so I, and maybe it goes along with this. I wanted to talk a little bit about psychedelics mm -hmm. and <clears throat> the more it's so funny because growing up you're like oh cocaine heroin lsd mushrooms like those are all so bad but then you start to learn about psilocybin and ayahuasca and ketamine and lsd and the applications that it has in therapy and neuro connections and neurotransmitters um so obviously cocaine and heroin very different than psilocybin uh i, I wanted to just get your thoughts on it and then I was wondering too, mending the the two Eastern or conventional medicine and and um, 
I don't know what the the other one would be called, like naturopathic or. In, well, what I oh, practice is integrative, integrative medicine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at what point do you go? Okay, there's psilocybin. That's natural. It grows. It's a fungus that actually happens to be the largest organism that exists. You know, it's pretty crazy. And then there's ketamine, which is synthetic. So, how are you choosing? Like, what do you? Maybe we just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go down so many different rabbit holes yeah. here. I mean, first of all, I think the just to touch briefly on like the war of, on drugs. Like we all grew up with those those ads. I assume you all thought you know like this is your brain. This, and this is your is brain your on drugs. <laughs> An egg. Any questions, right? And and like I mean, we I'm not going to go down a huge rabbit hole, but it's all about like control, yeah. right? Like they started to see like, oh, like what's, what's happening when people expand their consciousness. And this has happened for in many different places over the history of time, right? Like why did the witches get killed? Yeah. You know, why did sex magic get stopped? It's all like expanding human consciousness is like threatening to those who are trying to control people. So, so at the end of the day, I think like we could really distill it down to like, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you that like there are certain drugs that are more harmful than others. And, and I think um, psychedelics, they increase neuroplasticity. So the way I like to describe that is if you imagine you're molding clay and, and you're molding it into whatever you desire and then you're going to put it in the oven and you're going to cook it. So for the first 11 years of our life or so, our brain is like moldable clay. And then after about 11, it goes in the oven. And that's kind of how it is. And so we can't really change what what the programming is around what happened the first 11 years of our life. And unfortunately, for the vast majority of people, it wasn't like amazing, you know, yeah. like our parents were doing the really the best that they could. And like their parents were doing the best they could. And like, I think most of us can admit that it could have been better. Mm -hmm. And so what we can do with psychedelics is put it back into that moldable form to make something different. Um, in terms of like looking at like synthetic versus uh, natural or you know psychedelics that are grown this is like a broader question that happens where people are like well with with a lot of things that I'm doing like well it's not natural to do hormone replacement and I'm like yeah a hundred percent like everything that I'm doing or a lot of the things that I'm doing are not quote natural like what we're doing is like intervening to like stop and reverse aging yeah. at like a very fundamental level and because aging causes inflammation causes aging which causes all the diseases so, so that's what we're doing. And we're, we're looking at like, what are the ways that we can intervene? And some of the ways are like, quote, natural. Yeah. And some of the ways aren't like sticking a needle in your neck is definitely not natural. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at like ketamine versus psilocybin versus ayahuasca, ibogaine, like all the different psychedelics. Ketamine, um, I think is a really nice onboarding ramp for psychedelics. And it's pretty unique in that it works on two different systems. So psilocybin primarily works on the serotonin system and ketamine works on the serotonin and NMDA system. So ketamine is going to increase GABA as well. GABA is like the chill out neurotransmitter that you feel when you drink a beer, for example, helps you to be more relaxed. And it, it also um, puts your glutamate, which is like a really excitatory neurotransmitter down. So the combination is, is really quite profound. Um, far fewer side effects as well. So psilocybin, uh, ayahuasca, ibogaine, like way more somatic side effects. So like nausea, headaches, vomiting, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, and then the other thing with ketamine is like when we do it in the IV form and I, I hope in the future, and this is happening in labs now, I have a friend who has a PhD in consciousness, which is amazing. Yeah. She's at university college in London, which is kind of like the, the, um, premier institution in the world studying these things. So they are looking at like, like I could make a cocktail for you. I could say like, okay, Kara, like. I am going to put like a little bit of psilocybin in here, a little bit of like MDMA, a little bit of ketamine. I'm, I'm going to do a little heart opening, like a little yeah. bit of dissociation, whatever. And then I'm going to give you an IV drip of that. That's They're doing that in the lab now. We, we don't have access to do that yeah, here. Sure. But IV, what's really nice about IV is I can titrate it to the perfect experience for everyone. So if you take a macro dose of, you know, whatever, San Pedro, ayahuasca, um, mushrooms, ibogaine, et cetera, like you're in it. Yeah. Like MDMA, once you take it orally, like you're in it for like several hours. And, and if we like overshoot, it could be a real, like the actual experience could be really traumatic. I think when it's done in a ceremonial setting with intention, whatever comes up is perfect. Yeah. So if it is traumatic, that's for you to release your trauma. But with ketamine, um, it is synthetic, but it like in an IV form, which is what we do in the office. Like if you're going somewhere where you're like, this feels uncomfortable, I can just move the drip down. Or if you're like, Oh, I want to go in deeper. I can like turn the drip up. So it makes it like, I, I, I had many, many patients who had done all sorts of things and come in and get ketamine for the first time. And they're like, Oh, like this is like this is amazing, and I I was interested in trying other psychedelics myself, and I had many patients tell me like, like don't even bother, like ketamine is like the best one. And then last year I was like, I feel like I really need to like dive into other psychedelics, so I have experienced most of them myself. Yeah. Um, and I still think for most most people are not gonna go, you know, down to the jungle to macrodose on ayahuasca. Yeah. But coming into a medical office to you know. To, ex- to experience the neuroplasticity of ketamine and the, the, it's really also like a spiritual awakening. Like most people, when they experience psychedelics, experience this like oneness. Yeah. And I think that's like super healing as well. Like realizing like, hey, I'm not alone. Like I'm connected to everyone. Um, so I, I really like it for that yeah. reason. And I don't really get caught up on like What's natural or not. Yeah, yeah I yeah. get caught up on like, I don't get caught up on, but I, I look at like what is going to allow us to shift people into a place of balance most efficiently. Yeah. And right now in 2023 with what's legal, especially in the state of Idaho, yeah. it's ketamine. Yeah. yeah. Um, we know a lady who was going through a pretty rough time and uh, we had mentioned to her like, hey, there's ketamine clinics and, you know, maybe look into this. And she went and uh, did one session completely changed her life mm-hmm. like I so the first time that I went and did it I wouldn't say that it was a very uh, profound experience except for being sucked to the top of the universe looking down at the earth and being <laughs> like oh things are not as uh, complicated as I'm making it um, but hers was a complete transformation she like, just viewed the world differently uh-huh. and she always had questions about the afterlife and am I just gone after I die and after that it was very like no I'm not just gone after I die like it so it was cool that she got this yeah spiritual experience with it where there's just a little bit more faith now in her life so and there's a lot of comfort in having faith totally yeah yeah Yeah, and I think with psychedelics um sometimes if people don't have a profound experience or I've had people that like have done ketamine before and they're like oh like it wasn't 
it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, the, the, in order for the serotonin and the neurotransmitters to be released, you have to have a healthy gut. Yeah. So those neurotransmitters are most of the serotonin in our body is produced in the gut, dopamine, oxytocin, et cetera. So if your gut's not in balance, it's not going to probably be as profound of an experience or you're going to need a higher, higher dose. And then the other thing that I always mention is our nervous system. If your nervous system is out of balance, so it's it, it, in addition to creating neuroplasticity, it also helps um, nerve regeneration. So if you imagine that you have you know, let's just say most people are out of balance and these aren't really the numbers. I imagine you have like 10 sympathetic nerves for every one parasympathetic nerve right now. And then you use psychedelics and it is making it 10 times more. So then suddenly you have like a hundred sympathetic nerves for every 10 parasympathetic. So you're, you're, at, you're, you're almost kind of like increasing that imbalance of your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So like I pretty much won't do ketamine on anyone anymore unless I'm doing a stellate with them and working on their gut as yeah. well because you, you, it's I, I kind of think it's like almost unethical for me to just do the the psychedelics without addressing the underlying things and I think about like if a mom is like you know lifting up a car because her baby's under it you know like that's like the extreme of like your sympathetic nervous system like it is going to take so much it would take so much to like knock her out right You'd have to you'd have to dart her with like a ton of Versed or ketamine or whatever to knock her out. And so when people are really like when their nervous systems are really ramped up, they need so much of the psychedelics to feel anything. Um, and then when you know like you look at like the the shamans that they just need to smell the stuff of psilocybin or ayahuasca or whatever ibogaine and they and they can they completely open up. So. So I don't, when people are like, oh, I took this hero's dose, like that tells me, oh, your nervous system's out of balance and your gut's out of balance. Like yeah. that's not like a good thing. Yeah. 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 You had to take the macro dose in order to, yeah. to get a, an experience out of huh. it. That's an interesting, that, yeah, your, that your nervous system's out of balance. That's, that's cool. Um, so we're, we're winding down on time. I have one more question as far as like, um, your mission on earth like you are doing big big things and you're motivated and you're driven and you're constantly seeking more learning and like what what's driving this what's it excites you what's your what are your some of your goals mm, i love this question uh so my i so it's interesting i kind of go back and forth between like i think the biggest thing that we can do to like help the world is to heal ourselves yeah. So, so I think like my, my compass is always like, you like every day with my intentions, it's like unconditional peace and unconditional love, knowing that like, of course things are going to come up. But like, I feel like if I can get to a place where like there's chaos and I feel in that like unconditional peace and unconditional love, like that is going to spread out and that's going to be more powerful than any like 3d thing. And then, and I weigh that with like, I, you know, I feel privileged to have these tools, uh, that I, that help people. So I think like big picture, my mission is to develop democratized integrative wellness centers around the world. So, you know, this is just a little office in Victor, Idaho, but imagine, um, like our system that exists is a sick system. Yeah. I think, you know, anyone that's paying attention knows that. I don't think we can change that. Like, I don't think the move is to try and like change the existing system or to get this stuff covered by insurance. I think the move is like 
create another system that fosters health and it needs to be democratized meaning like everyone like i worked in the er's for years like where anyone we didn't turn people away because they couldn't pay right now the stuff that i'm doing is not covered by insurance so Mm -hmm. and we do whatever we can to try and like help get people access and there's grants and there's like funding and stuff like that but at the end of the day it's really only accessible to a small percentage of people and even even if like even if I gave someone like let's say I gave like a trans woman in New York City treatments for free like if she goes back and can't buy organic food and is living in a moldy apartment she's not gonna get better and so I think like big picture mission this is huge and it's aspirational is like democratized wellness centers where we're collecting data and we have an educational wing where we're tr- we're treat we're training like a new generation of doctors to do things differently. And then we have to have conversations about systemic inequalities as well. Like if we're not looking at the fact that we have like systemic racism, systemic sexism that's impacting people's health, we're not gonna, and I'm not saying we're trying to heal all those things, but but we need to at least illuminate it and recognize that like that's contributing. I did my residency in uh, Oakland, California, which is one of the most um, racially diverse counties in the whole country and like you know we had lots of people from all sorts of different places uh like in in all sorts of gender identities coming in and no one like we knew that like okay certain people are more likely to have heart disease but we weren't talking about like why are they having heart disease because there's systemic racism and they're like stressed all the time and that's what's causing it so i think like there's an element of that and i think also we're, with this like consciousness shift that's happening right now, um, there what we're doing is really enticing to billionaires because we can reverse aging. And the only thing that billionaires can't control is their mortality. Um, and I think n- not from a nefarious way, but I think most billionaires have made their money through exploitation of humans or the planet. And, and again, it's not saying that they're bad people. I think 100% of people are good. But it's an opportunity to kind of like have an energetic exchange so they can donate money to this, like having a profit and nonprofit wing so that we can get these wellness centers out there to like effectively like raise the vibration of humanity in like the most efficient way so that humans survive. No big deal. Yeah. (laughs) But you know it. You know how and you know like it's. That is, that's awesome. That is a big deal, but it's not something that you can't achieve. And you're the person to do that with all of, like you have the the credibility within you. Like certain people, someone else might have that goal, but they have no credibility to make that happen. You do, and and you know the how, and that's that's amazing. I That's so cool. I love that. Mm, if thanks. we can help in any way possible, yeah. like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and most so people, they may have a goal. I mean, yours is a very lofty goal, but at least you're stating it. You know, mm-hmm. Most people are like, oh, I would love to own a business. I'd love to do this and that. They never state it. You know, you're confidently stating it. You'll you'll make it happen. Mm. And I love that you, you threw the how in there as well. You know, and not even a how that's like yeah. well, this is this could be like a how that makes sense that could give back to like those billionaires that you know like, wow, yeah, that was that was amazing. That's really really cool. Thank mm. you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, we want to yeah. be a part of it. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Love it. You'll be a part of it. That's why we're talking. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, yeah. we really appreciate it. Um, and to kind of wrap it up, um, when 
you sent the intake packet and it took two and a half hours to fill <laughs> out. It was really interesting because one, you never get that from a doctor. I mean, and it's same thing, all, everyone's good. It's just, you know, they have a 15 second questionnaire the or 15 question questionnaire and then you go in and you know, you get your medication and you leave. Uh, it was so great to start out by like, hey, I'm good. I eat good. I eat mostly natural foods, drink a lot of water, have my salt and lemon every day. And then by the end, I'm like, holy crap, I <laughs> eat horribly. Uh, and then to have that all out on paper and then to come here and have the discussions with you, just different things that we're not hearing, we're not learning. Uh, and that you're open to everything. I mean, even talking like Jesus and Mary Magdalene, I'm like, yeah, have you read the Apocrypha? Like, obviously there's different things and you get... Uh, and this not to just go down a deep rabbit hole or whatever, but you know, the, the, the systems and the large organizations. So you got the Catholic church that did the council of Nicaea and determined what they wanted in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that really may have been to suppress consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting the same thing today. There may be a medical establishment that goes, you know, we've got to keep paying our people. So if we treat cancer in this way, you know, they're not bad. They're, they're fixing cancer. There just might be a better way to do it. So I just really appreciate that you will go against the grain and that you're taking all the medicine from all the different eons that, that exist and saying, let's heal people. Like, mm -hmm. I really appreciate And that. doing it in a healing way, not trying to destroy anything that's there, but, yeah. but just add to it in a better way that can elevate even more. So yeah. And not tearing it down either, because sometimes it's like if we have a lot of conviction in one place it's really easy to tear down you've said nothing negative about anybody or anything mm. but you also want to fix the system well, it's hate, really cool hate begets hate yeah you know if you if you're focused on the negativity you're going to get more negativity and yeah. so even Man, yeah, there's just a lot of wisdom in that. Um, okay, so wrapping up, where where can people find you? I, this is where in the podcast with Emily, I was like, okay, where can I find her? <laughs> like, I need to know. So. Yeah, yeah, good question. So timing is kind of interesting with this because I got a pretty strong message. I did an ayahuasca ceremony a few months ago in June, and I got a pretty strong message that I needed to take a six-month break um, to kind of just let let everything percolate and kind of figure out what the next step is. Not not figure out. Figure out sounds like work, but more like let it come through. Um, and really just like rest, because I've been running around, you know, much like you two have been forever. And and so it's hard to hear your truth when you're running around, running a business, seeing lots of patients, mm -hmm. et cetera, for many, many years. Um, so I'm starting that in November. So for right now, um, and I don't know when you're going to air this, that we... we our business right now is called Boost, and the website is boosthealing.org. And so you can get information there. For the aspirational goal of democratized integrative wellness centers around the world, I don't think Boost is the right name. Mm -hmm. That's an English word. Uh, that was something that I came up with on a night shift yeah. several years ago, <laughs> and it has served the purpose. But I think for the next iteration, it needs to be something that's more mm -hmm. uh, transcends cultures, languages, et cetera, something more spiritual. So that's part of what uh, will be birthed on my sabbatical. Cool. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, the, the website's a good place to go. There's lots of resources there. There's lots of webinars, et cetera. Are you going to keep your Instagram? Yeah. My intention is to uh, to share my journey along the way on my sabbatical. And and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing yet. People are in, it's a month away. People yeah. are asking like, what am I doing? And I'm, 
I'm really just trying to surrender and like be open to like what the universe, what the goddess wants me to do. Uh, and just be, just kind of follow the threads instead of it's, it's easy with my background to like plan everything out. And I, this is like a shift of like letting what, what is coming through, come through me. So, mm. and what yeah. is your Instagram handle? Uh, it's Dr. Allison Mulcahy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. And just keep up what you're doing. Oh, yes. Yep. Thank you so much. You too as well. Keep up what you're doing and it's been such a pleasure chatting with yeah. both of you. Thank you. Yeah, right back Great. at you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.